Hello and welcome to Tech Crack, the podcast series brought to you by Sync NI. We are Northern Ireland's leading technology and business media company, and this podcast series will see us interview some of the best, brightest, and most influential thought leaders from across NI's business and tech sectors. Find out more on SyncNI.com or follow us across our social media channels. And enjoy. Hello, my name is Neve Campbell, and this week our Tech Crack episode is all about the Arma Observatory and Planetarium. Unfortunately, it is still temporarily closed due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, but the Observatory and Planetarium is continuing to run some great online educational programmes. Behind the scenes, its staff are still furthering their out-of-this-world work. That's what I chatted about with astronomer Aaron and Courtney, who also works at the Observatory and Planetarium and co-hosts its podcast, Intergalactic Crack. We chat all things astronomy, females in science and educating future generations. Courtney and Aaron, I just want to talk to you today, obviously, about Arma Observatory and Planetarium. And Courtney, I know you co-host the podcast. Is it Intergalactic Crack? Yes, that's right. Intergalactic Cracks. So myself and Heather co-host it and uh, I'm in charge of the editing. Um, and then we both kind of promote it together, uh, which is, it's so fun. <laughs> It sounds, I love the, the name, obviously our podcast here at Sync and I is Tech Crack, so Intergalactic Crack really spoke to me as well. I love, love anything with a bit of crack. <laughs> um, can you just explain a wee bit about it and what you guys talk about and, you know, is it available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all the rest? Yes, so um, basically the whole concept of Intergalactic Crack was that we were trying to take our role as education officers where we bring astronomy news to the public but bring it through a new form Mm -hmm. so it was born out of lockdown uh, and it was just another way that we could reach people so we use the strengths in our own organization we obviously have plenty of excellent researchers and PhD students up at our observatory for example Erin also does amazing work Um, so we're able to draw within our the wealth of information within our own organization to bring out to the public and we just talk about the latest news the most interesting astronomy topics and it's available pretty much everywhere apple Podcasts, spotify breaker google Podcasts, you name it it's probably there that's really cool and then aaron obviously yeah you as well you're an astronomer uh i personally find that a very cool title (laughs) how does how does one even get into astronomy um, well, I mean, whenever I was younger, I actually went to the observatory for some work experience. Um, and I always thought the building was so beautiful. It's such a, a lovely historical building. Um, and yeah, I loved it. So I went and did a, a bachelor's in physics and astrophysics at Queen's. And then you go on and do your PhD. And I am a postdoctoral researcher. So you're kind of like a, um, a staff astronomer. So where you're working on um, the new research and everything. So yeah, what does your job like what would your day-to-day you know sort of entail like your your activities and stuff being an astronomer um well every day is different which I guess is the exciting part um there's a lot of travel involved not right now with COVID but um there is usually um some travel and going to conferences and you know we work on um kind of the frontier science so the new um science that's coming out all the time um i actually work on the stars that become black holes the most massive in the universe so you look at um you know the papers that are coming out every day and then you're working on your research um some people work with observations and i work on you know the stellar modeling side of things um yeah and then you publish papers and, and collaborate with people around the world so it's great 
it is really cool and then in terms of obviously because this lockdown this one in particular feels like it's went on forever um what what has the planetarium been up to throughout lockdown uh Courtney I'll sort of you know ask you first I know obviously you guys have been keeping the podcast going and stuff which is great yes so um we have actually never stopped working uh since the day lockdown started we've just continued but we've moved our communication of education just to a different way so we were doing online sessions uh, called cosmic classroom so that was just online zoom sessions with schools when they were allowed to be in classrooms um, using um, astronomy software to demonstrate demonstrate a night sky tour and using the different uh, tools we've picked up over lockdown just to make it really as fun and engaging as possible through a screen and then obviously we've done some uh, science at home material where we showed um, children how to do special safe science experiments all within the materials within their house we also did um, kids takeover sessions when they weren't in school that they could listen to uh, while they were working from home for school and then we've also had loads of evening events, uh, like night sky tours. And then also most recently, our um, online event with Dara O'Brien about the NGC, which was really exciting. Yeah, no, I was actually going to bring that one up. Uh, that's That was really cool news. And I think as well, I think it was well last year, you know, the, the ARMA Observatory and Planetarium developed an app that could like allow kids to like hold the moon in their hands and things. Like it, it's, it's so cool, all the different sort of educational tech tools you guys use are you you know when is your official opening date that you're allowed to open again post lockdown we haven't got a hard uh opening date yet um as we are continuing on with our renovations within the planetarium so while we've been closed we um have updated our digital theater which is our main attraction to the latest in uh, planetarium system so state of the art we've got new seats in there as well so really comfy and nice for everybody then we are updating our exhibition area. So there's a huge overhaul there. We've updated the reception, the cafe, and we've installed a new sensory room as well, which is um, so cool, so amazing, so immersive. And it means we can welcome different types of visitors as well. That is really cool. And are there any upcoming events, even you know, virtually or any educational things or programs that people can get involved with now or anything? We did just have an event last night about the weather insights um, at the planetarium. So the observatory has been taking the weather records for, we just um, got an award recently for over 200 years of taking the weather records. Um, so we did that last night as well, but we'll have upcoming events. And if anyone wants to stay up to date with what we're doing, we're very active online. So check out our Facebook page and our Twitter because we'll definitely keep you updated that way. Yeah, definitely. And then Aaron as well. Just in terms of, you know, being being a female astronomer and being a woman in tech and science, you know, females are quite underrepresented, especially in Northern Ireland within that sort of sector. Um, you know, what made you want to get interested initially? And, you know, do you find that many young girls that come to the planetarium, you know, pre-COVID as well, like are interested in this field? Like, do you find that it's a growing field um, within, you know, young girls? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, whenever I was younger, I thought that, you know, Astronomy was just something I was really interested in. I was good at physics and maths, and lots of young females are. Um, and, you know, the big questions of why are we here and why is the universe existing and all of these things are um, almost like romantic questions that you kind of want to answer. And as a, as a young female, that's always something that you're, um, <clears throat> you're interested in. So, plus there's lots of really nice images as well, which people um, usually get drawn by. But, I mean, whenever I started my PhD, there were 
predominantly females at the observatory. So I actually, you know, people talk about barriers for females. I, I never experienced them. I never, I never saw them. You know, whenever I went, I was, I was part of the majority actually. And okay, you know, as you have a strong turnover, there then became a change because it's small numbers as well. But <clears throat> even from going to conferences earlier in my PhD and now, you know, four or five years later, you do see the change in the percentage of female participants in conferences and, and female speakers and things like this. Um, and it is definitely changing. And some people would say it's like a generational change that we need. Um, but I actually think that we're doing it quicker than that. So um, it's going quite well, actually. And I think that there, there have been a lot of um, very good female um, summer school students as well that I've observed in my time at the observatory. So I definitely think it's... Um, it's, it's growing um, and it's kind of this natural progression towards um, more females feeling like it's, it's a career path. So I think that that's the most important thing, just being aware of it's a career. I think so too, because it's like a lot of people, I would know people that are personally really interested in, you know, they would buy very expensive telescopes and, and um, be interested in taking, you know, photographs, like proper photographs of like the, the stellar systems at night and things but I think it's the fact that people can realize you know you maybe love doing that but you can actually do that and study it as a career as well is is you know a huge thing because personally for me you know in school like well I was never into maths and science anyway I'm definitely more the the English side of things but it was never really presented as a career route did, did you find that whenever you were in school you know with careers teachers and things that it wasn't exactly promoted in the ways you know accountancy and, and law and medicine and things are I, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but I actually have the opposite experience. Um, I have to give it to my physics teachers. Um, they're probably the reason that I'm here um, because whenever I went to Thornhill College in Derry and I had um, fantastic physics teachers from when I was quite young, you know, in secondary school and they always kind of pushed me towards this career path and kind of showed me, I guess, that this was an option. Mm -hmm. So we had an astronomy club at school and we would do some observations late at night and things. And um, yeah, they, they, they pushed me in the direction of the observatory and said, you know, if you like this, go and do some work experience. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And, and throughout that, you know, we've stayed in contact. And, you know, I go back to Thornhill sometimes and, and talk to the girls about how, um, you know, this is a great career. Um, but, but no, I mean, yeah, you're, you're given from careers teachers the options of actuarial studies or accounting and stuff like that because you're great at maths but because you're great at maths you're also going to be great then at the theoretical side of astrophysics which is a huge portion you know you're trying to answer these big questions and you need to be good at maths so no I have to say my physics teachers were were great that's that's amazing that shows as well the power of um teachers you know and the influence that they have mm -hmm. and it's amazing that we have the the Armagh Planetarium to to show you know young people because if we didn't have it people you know maybe wouldn't take an interest because whenever they actually get to go and experience and you know people learn through doing so it's it's amazing that we have it and it'll be great whenever things sort of go back to some sort of normality and people can get back in again um so Erin in terms of you know current news there's there's like a lot going on in, in terms of astronomy and you know like I was reading this week you know NASA is doing amazing work on Mars at the minute uh, is there any sort of top sort of news topics that you have caught your eye recently or that you're like really interested in? Yes, I mean, we're actually at the forefront of this as well. There is, um, there's a thing called gravitational waves and this is a very hot topic in, in science at the minute um, because it basically is, 
the confirmation of Einstein's theory of general relativity. You know, we know now that um, when two black holes collide, um, they send out these kind of ripples through space that we can kind of observe, if you like. Um, we've been doing this for the last few years. And um, recently we observed the most massive black hole that we've ever detected. Um, and it, it was crazy, it was crazy. It kind of broke physics, if you like. Um, it was called this impossible black hole. So people started coming up with ideas of, oh, well, there must've been two black holes that formed this one first. And so it must've been like multiple generations, but that's really, really unlikely because you, know, you only have a certain time to do that. So we had to come up with this impossible task of creating this impossible black hole, which in a couple of days, I um, had experience running these types of models before. So in a matter of days, I was able to do this and we had this nice press release and things. Um, and we've got a paper now that is accepted and the whole group was working towards this together. So this is actually a big thing because it teaches us about kind of the formation of black holes and how they influence galaxies and things like this. So it is, it is really, really important. Um, plus black holes are just really interesting, I guess. But. They are, they're also super terrifying though, <laughs> I think. Um, yeah. I think as well, the thing that interests me and quite a lot of people, I think about space, it's really taken off on things like TikTok as well. I think that's like, social media is definitely getting more younger people involved. It's, it's that knowing that, you know, this planet, planet Earth, we're, we're not the only, you know, planet in the universe and the whole, like there's so much more vast galaxies beyond. Um, Courtney, in terms of like how you got involved with the planetarium and, and just with astronomy itself, what got you interested in it? Well, I'd always be, I was always interested in astronomy at school um, and I was very keen to work uh, within the government sector um, and this education role uh, came up and it was really interesting to me. I'd just come out of uh, doing my master's. It wasn't astronomy based, it was uh, psychology based, but because I had a scientific background, I felt like my skills could lend themselves in terms of communication because that is a huge part of um, when you're doing undergraduate or postgraduate, your ability to communicate scientific information to the public at large. Mm -hmm. um, so it, I felt I really lended myself to that and I did. And it's been an easy transition. And I really feel like the whole, t whole education team as a whole does an excellent job of bringing this information, which might be inaccessible to a lot of people, down to the level of where you can actually inspire children as young as four and five um, about space. So it's just, it's such a great role to have. Are there any, so I'm going to pose the same question to you, are there any specific topics or educational aspects or news items that really have interested you recently? Well, um, as we communicate Mostly our role would take place with primary school, early secondary school. So we do a lot of um, conversations around solar system science. So anything going on with Mars is always very interesting to children, especially since it's so close to home, you know, um, especially since we're talking about, you know, human colonies and that kind of thing going out to Mars and the possibility of that, which seemed like um, imaginary science, even at a few decades ago. So anything Mars or solar system related um, is generally very exciting and it means we can talk about it with the children in cosmic classrooms and so forth. And it, funny you say that, I was actually reading this week, um, I think it's Anya O'Brien, she's like a Scottish Martian geologist and she was talking to the BBC about how she thinks in like around 20 years we could possibly, humans could possibly establish like a permanent habitat on Mars. Um, and I know that the rover the other day made was able to make some breathable oxygen, which is, it, it literally is something like, if you told any of us that five years ago, it feels like something out of a sci-fi movie. Like it feels like it's, it's 
hard to believe that it could happen in our lifetime. Is that something that you find when you're talking to kids and even, you know, adults about that sort of stuff? Do they, are they quite surprised? They do ask about it, obviously, because it's in the news and people are talking about it. They kind of, they want to get our opinion on it, um, especially if we're doing the um, Cosmic Classroom or our nighttime uh, version of that for adults, where we, we take a look at the skies and that kind of thing. We do get qu- listener questions um, or those kind of things, which is absolutely fair because it does seem so far-fetched. Um, but I mean, people are very quick to wrap their head around it once you explain you know, that people have actually been working on this technology for decades and it's just kind of coming to the fore now and just because um, it's just coming to the public. I know it doesn't mean that they haven't been working on it for ages. Um, so it's a, it's one of the more interesting topics um, at the minute to the general public just because it seems very accessible to them. Definitely. I'm going to finish off asking you both, but we're sort of putting you on the spot here. Erin, I'll start with you. Are there any cool space facts that you've ever learned or like something that's just really stuck out in your mind um you know since you even got involved in astronomy that you'd like to tell the listeners like one cool space fact <laughs> oh god i know it's hard when you're putting the spot oh, on the spot i mean I, th- I feel like every day and what i find is a cool fact is maybe not what other people would find a cool fact um because i you know you talk about stellar interiors and all these sorts of things so everything's interesting but um one thing i'm always asked about is what would happen if a black hole popped up tomorrow beside her and I always tell them that look you need the star that that would have been there first that then dies to form a black hole but if there was a black hole um the fun fact is always that kids say what would happen if you could pull them to a black hole and the the technical term is spaghettification because you would be pulled basically by your feet and eventually all the way through your body so you'd be like a piece of spaghetti and it is actually called spaghettification but I guess something like this won't happen unless something like that interstellar movie ever happens. I love that movie, by the way. It was definitely a complete mind boggle. It's one of the ones you have to watch a few times to get it. Um, Spaghettification is, the fact that that's the technical term is amazing. Um, I'm going to assume you'll not be alive for that happening if if the black hole hits, would you? Um, No, I mean, by the time that you actually get close to the black hole, I would say that the the strength of the gravity would just yeah you wouldn't you wouldn't probably be alive at that point <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't get to see yourself turned into spaghetti yeah. <laughs> um and courtney do you have any cool space facts you'd like to share hmm. i suppose one that really stuck out to me recently just while we're on the topic of uh mars and uh mars being in the news is um that mars we think used to be quite similar to earth so we think about earth being you know the pale blue dot and the blue planet and we think that Mars at one point did have um, seas on its surface um, but it lost them due to its very thin atmosphere so essentially they evaporated over time um, and they had a small atmosphere due to its small planet and smaller gravity and that kind of thing um, so it's just interesting to me that at one point Earth and Mars were quite similar and now they look so vastly different. That is really cool. I'm going to ask, pose then like a very sort of maybe amateur and silly question. Do you believe then that there was ever life on Mars or that there ever could be? Do the whole question like, are we alone in Martians and things like that? I don't think that there were ever any green men on the surface of Mars. Um, if, the, if there was life, um, it would have been very different because the oceans and that kind of thing would have happened billions of years ago. So life wouldn't have had the time it needs to develop to get to like 
our state. Um, but definitely something tiny, microbe size, maybe. Um, I mean, that's the work they're doing at the minute to try to see what else they can see on Mars in terms of life. It's really interesting. Guys, thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, absolutely not. I'm good. Uh, this was just so nice to be able to talk about what the planetarium's been doing um, over lockdown and just um, we're excited to welcome everyone back, um, especially with our new facilities. That's it for this week's episode of TechRec. For all things tech and business in Northern Ireland, visit syncni.com. Have a good week.